Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Feliz Año Nuevo. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Como estuvo? How was it? Is your New Year good? That's what I'm talking about. You made it. My wife said the other day, it was funny. She's like, you know, some of us are sitting there thinking about how bad the year was last year or even how this may have started. But she's like, but did you die? No, 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 no. Este es el uh, primer domingo del año. This is the first Sunday of the year, y'all. Amen. Praise God. Just to, to let you guys, just to remind you guys, we are on a fast. We are fasting. So don't be surprised when you see some supernatural stuff breaking forth here at church. I'm just letting you know now. If something supernatural happens, if somebody gets laid hands on and they jump up that they weren't walking before or you have some problems in your back and somebody lays hands on you and prays, just, just know that right now we've been afflicting our flesh. At least some of us have. You know, those that said amen real loud know what it's like. Praise the Lord. I just want to, I was reminded this morning by the Lord to let you know that fasting is not uh, to be legalistic. Amen. You guys hear me? Some of us in here, I'm going to set you free right now. You woke up in the morning. You forgot because we're creatures of habit. You forgot that you're fasting that day, and you went ahead because you're creatures of habit. You wake up, you made the breakfast, and you, you took a bite, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be fasting. Listen, don't sit there and think, oh, the fast is over. I ruined it. It's not going to happen. I got next Tuesday. No. Just stop at that point. Don't eat anymore. Once you realize it, get back on track. A righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. Amen. We, we like to apply that to other things, but even in this, this case, that's what we do. We don't make it all legalistic. Amen? Amen. If you're in the, later in the day and you've been fasting and you get a little frustrated because you get hangry, the spirit of hangry comes upon you, you got to rebuke that in Jesus' name. Uh, but sometimes we give in to it, and we may end up going and ordering a double quarter pounder with cheese. Hallelujah. Right? And then we turn around and we order it and remember, I can't eat this. I'm fasting. There's somebody around that can get that, eat that sandwich. Trust me. There's some, especially here in Fairfield. Just look left or right. You'll find somebody that wants that sandwich. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. So let's get ready for God's word. La palabra de Dios. Amen. 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 The scripture this morning comes from Luke. Chapter 21, verse 26. 21, 26. And it reads, men's and women's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Men's heart failing them for fear so what we're seeing is men are having heart failure because they're afraid. Because they're looking for things that are coming. 
They're expecting things to happen. You guys ever been fearful of something and it never happens? Isn't that a waste of energy? You can't get that time back. But what we're seeing here is that that kind of fear, looking for things that are coming, when you do that, guess what? Your, your heart's going to fail you. See, in esencia de fe, a miedo. In the absence of faith, there's fear. Cuando agregamos fe nuestra situación, when we factor in faith into any situation or circumstance, tenemos confianza en que nuestra situación funcionará para nuestro bien. We have the confidence that our situation and circumstance will work out for our good. La fe está diciendo, faith is saying, puede que no obtenga lo que espero. I may not get what I expect, pero sé que obtendré lo mejor para mí. But I know I'm going to get what's best for me. Pero él y sí. But the what if, the what if. Y si se crie cuando no estamos seguros del resultado de una situación. Y si. What if is created when we're not sure of what the outcome is going to be. You guys ever, you ever sit down and not do something because of what if? Mm, let me help you all out. There's things that, there's things that we missed in life. Because of what if? There were things in front of us. What if? I don't fly on airplanes because what if it crashes? I don't ride roller coasters because what if it crashes? I don't get into relationships anymore because what if they break my heart? And when we have what if, what if turns into fear, miedo? And that makes you say things like this. What if I don't make it? Y si, si no lo hago. What if I fail? Y si, uh, follow. What if I'm wrong? Y si, estoy equivocado. What if I get hurt again? Y si me lastimo otra vez. What if I die? Y si muero. What if? What if? What if? There's so many people here, the people of God, are not getting to where God desires us to give, get to because we're always at the what if. See, this what if means that you're not relying on your faith. See, faith is having the confidence in your outcome. Faith is saying, I know what I want, but at the end of it all, God has control of this situation, and he's going to work it out for my good. I can't explain it. I can't add it up. All I know is, he said, according to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. When we have the absence of faith, we have fear, and fear causes the what if. 
Fear comes from not knowing the outcome and the what if brings it in. We don't do things. Let, let, let me help you out. Just, just not getting in anybody's business. But you ever, there, there's time. I can't. I can't let my husband go out with his friends because what if he cheats on me? Oh, I can't let my wife uh, uh, go out with her friends because what if she finds somebody who looks better than me? I want the church to grow, but I got to quit my job. But what if it's not successful? That was just a side piece. What if causes more misery than all the sin and sickness of our lives combined? We are not sick all the time, and we're not sinning all the time, but most people are afraid of something or somebody all the time. So many of us in here are afraid of failing. We're afraid of what people are going to say. We are so afraid that when it comes to an opportunity for something good to happen to us, we will stop in our tracks and say, what if it doesn't work? What if they see me fail? What if, what if, what if? And when you say what if, there's fear. And when there's fear, there's paralysis and you don't move. The other unfortunate thing about what ifs is, is that you always keep a reserve tank. You're going on a trip and you go, well, I'm going to fill up the tank. I'm going to have a reserve tank, you know, because what if we get somewhere and there's no gas station? And that's how we do life. I'm going to take a chance. So if I'm going to take a chance, I'm going to make sure I'm going to go, well, I'm going to do this. But what if this happens? So what we'll do is we don't give 100% into what we're doing. Because we leave a reserve tank. This is what happens in marriages nowadays. Because of a divorce culture, it tells us, you know, look, you get married, but what if they're not faithful? What if it doesn't work? What if they ain't right for you? Go ahead and get married. What if you always have a divorce? Instead of saying, look, there is no what if. This is going to work. We're going to make it work. We're going to do what God tells us to do, and I don't have a reserve because I'm going to give you 100% of me, and I'm going to get 100% of you. And when this happens, it is going to work. I didn't say it's going to be easy, but it's going to work. Now, I want to remind you guys about fear. There's reasonable, a reasonable amount of fear is a good thing. It's a gift from God. We, it's called being careful. I just want to explain that. Yeah, you, you, do, you do be afraid sometimes, or that word, have some type of fear for different things. I mean, like fire. You, you don't just pour gasoline on a bunch of wood and stand next to it and light it. There has to be some type of fear, some reverence for that fire because you will get burned. Amen. There's a reason why you should have some type of fear before you cross Highway 12. You guys get it. See, God gives us. It's a gift that keeps us from being hurt, okay? But on the other hand, abnormal or excessive fear is a monster which can paralyze you or paralyze you and destroy you. Panic is fear out of control. Now, please, I'm not judging anybody, but I have to share something with you. What happens with panic? You know, people are like, what if I die? And then when you what if, you get so afraid that you end up doing stuff trying to preserve yourself. And then guess what? You end up dying anyway. The Pulse nightclub. If you guys remember the nightclub that was shot up down in Florida some years back. 
There was one shooter. Hundreds, if not a thousand people in the club. One shooter. Everybody was so afraid because what if I stand still? What if I attack them? What if I do this? So instead, they ran. It paralyzed them. It put them in a place so much in fear that they weren't able to react. Do you know it would only take one person to attack that guy and all those people wouldn't have died? Because they didn't get into the what if. One person should have said, what if I attack them? What if I save everybody? Uh, I'll be a hero. <laughs> Let me read to see some more scriptures. Matthew chapter 8, 23 and 26. I love this scripture. This is scripture in, before the scripture happened, Jesus gave a commandment. He said, hey. Let us go to the other side. Amen. You guys with me? Okay, Jesus gave a command, and the disciples that were with him were being obedient to the word himself. Jesus is the word. Let's go to the other side. I'm going with you, Jesus. They get in a boat. And when they entered into the ship, verse 23, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. How many people know when you're doing what God tells you, a storm is always going to come? Oh, listen to me, saints. I need you to hear. Look, you think that you're doing God's work and everything is selling good. The devil is trying to stop you. He ain't going to give you the wind to push you into something that God wants you to do. Most of the time you're doing things for God, it isn't smooth sailing. Where do you think that, that, that whole uh, uh, idiom comes from? It ain't smooth sailing. Got it from the Bible. Jesus told them, let's go to the other side. They follow him in the ship. Because remember, he said earlier, he said, if any man should come after me, if any man should follow me, he must deny himself. So that's what they were doing, following Jesus, getting the ship. And then all of a sudden, great tempest, a great storm of the sea happened in so much. The storm was so great that the ship was covered. Somebody say covered. With the waves, but he was asleep. Do you know what covered means? All right, let me put this in your mind real quick. First, covered. When you go to bed, you lay under what? Covers. The covers cover you, right? That means you're covered. Nothing's out. Covered. Ship was covered with waves. Picture that. Are you with me? Covered. Which means the ship was sinking. Anytime a ship is covered with water, that means it's underwater. Are you getting the picture? Not only is it underwater, I don't know if you guys ever went past the gate uh, to go fishing or anything, Golden Gate Bridge, the water starts moving a lot. Then I need you to imagine 20-foot swells, 30-foot swells. You're in a sailboat. There's no motor on these boats. The boat is not big. There's at least 12, at least 13 guys on this boat. They're going across the sea. The wind is blowing. It, it's, the wind is blowing. It's probably dark, and it's psh, psh. The water, the, the ship is going underwater. The, the, the apostles are running around going, oh, 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 Jesus. So they run back to the hinder parts of the boat. And what is Jesus doing? 
this dude is sleep. Now, I don't know about you, but some people probably thinking they've been out on boats, like somebody like Bobo, like, yeah, you know, the actual wave movement is relaxing. It kind of puts you to sleep. It's kind of like being rocked, whatever. <laughs> Jesus is back there, sleep in the boat, covered with water. I need you to get that in your mind's eye. He sleep. The apostles are going nuts. They run back to him. They woke him up. Now, you guys realize he's in a storm. So you know he was like in the fourth rim sleep. He was deep in sleep. You got to be deep in some sleep when you're in a storm and you just, you, everybody's yelling, you still sleep. Have you, have you ever been in that deep sleep before? I need you to understand something. You've been that deep in sleep and then somebody comes and wakes you up for some nonsense. Nonsense. Oh, let me read it. This is what he says. And the disciples came, verse 25, and woke, awoke him, saying, Lord, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful, O ye a little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, first of all, I love the characteristic of Jesus here, right? You know, I, I, like I said, I don't know about you. There's been times I've been in that fourth, fifth level of sleep, like I'm there, I'm dreaming, I'm, I'm, there's unicorns flying around, there's this great, I got food in front of me, uh, a, a swimming pool and, and butterflies, it's, I'm just there, it's just peaceful, I'm there, I'm smiling, everything's great, there's little music and harps playing, little baby angels running around, it's great, I'm just there, and then somebody comes and wakes me up for some nonsense, hey, 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 do you know where that sugar's at? Anybody ever been there? Why did you wake me up and ask me about sugar? So you can imagine how Jesus felt when he was at really deep sleep. Jesus must have had a long night of casting out demons or something. He was working. He was preaching. He, the Beatitudes, it was a long sermon. He had, to, he had to preach. He was up there on top, out exposed, thousands of people, people pulling on him. He was tired. Got on the boat, went to sleep, and then they come and yell at me, like, hey, 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 Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. Why are you afraid, oh, ye of little faith? This dude, listen, let me, let me just explain something about, about the disciples real quick. The disciples were still rookies in their relationship with Jesus. Therefore, they weren't sure of who he was or how they could depend upon him. They assumed that their main protection against the storm was a little boat, and it was clearly not strong enough or big enough to sustain them. See, their faith wasn't in who they were with. Their faith was in the boat. And the moment that the boat was covered up by the trouble, guess what? Their faith went out the door. Come on, you guys ain't hearing me because that's what happens to a lot of us. There's situations that aren't working in our lives, and we've lost faith. We've given up hope because of the what if, because this, our source of security has failed. Sometimes that source of security is, oh, I know how to do it. I can take care of it. But guess what? When you can't take care of it, when you can't fix it, when you don't know the answer and you start to worry, guess what? Your faith wasn't in God. Your faith was in yourself. Their faith was in the ship. And when the ship began to sink, so did their faith. Then they're going to wake up Jesus. 
I told you how mad Jesus is. And that's what we think a lot of times. But guess what? How many people are glad that Jesus doesn't have your attitude? All y'all be dead right now. Dead. I thank God Jesus don't think like me. It's funny, though, but you know, like, but watch this. I'm going to help you guys out. So, so many times we read the stories in the Bible, and we sit down and think, man, David, man, I'm going to be like David. I'm going to be like Joshua, and I'm going to take us all over to the, to the promised land. We're going to in the promised land. We're going to fight. We're going to bring down the walls of Jericho, and even King David himself. We'll talk about King David. He first killed the lion, then he killed the bear, and then he went and killed. I'm going to be like David. I'm going to be more than an overcomer. Listen, I need you to understand something. You aren't David. See, when you read the story of Israel, they were the people of God facing a giant that they knew they couldn't defeat. All of them were lying in fear as the enemy taunted them. They couldn't do it themselves. They needed a savior to come out of the most unlikely of places, the most unlikely of person who showed up and slayed their troubles, who slayed the giant, who slayed the oppressor. It wasn't them. Saints of God, you're not David. You are the children of Israel. Fearful foolish and unfaithful we always want to be the hero jesus is the hero we are the people depending upon a hero named jesus so you read them stories next time yeah you you one of those you one of the brothers david's brothers sitting there laying there like look at him Listen, we become fearful when we doubt that our source of security is strong enough to sustain us. The most common related fears or matters we cannot control. There are things that we just cannot control. And we put, what if, well, what if they don't make it? It doesn't matter. It's not in your hands. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't control whether somebody's faithful to you or not. You can't control it. I want some of you single, some of you married people, I need you to listen to me. It's because you end up trying to change who you are and things about yourself that try to keep people from doing what they're going to do. But that is out of your control. It is out of your control how your kids act when they ain't with you. There's only so much you can do. That's why the Bible gave you a commandment to train up a child in the way that they should go. That's what the Bible tells us to do. But then when we end up doing what the Bible says is we end up provoking them to wrath because we're trying to change them. You train them and then let them go. Train them. I'm going to train you up in the way that you should go so that when you grow old, you won't depart from it. It doesn't say that they'll stick with it all the way through. They're going to make some bad decisions. I'm preaching to myself. you got some kids that are going to do things that you didn't want them to do. You didn't train them to do, but because of the environment that they're in, sometimes they make some bad decisions. Don't put that on yourself. What you do is you need to pray for them and put them in God's hands. But the moment you keep going, well, what if I, do, what if I don't do this? What if I don't call? What if I don't show up? What if I don't give them the money? What if I don't do this? That is out of your hands. You can't control it. People talking about, you can't control job loss. You can't control how your children act when they ain't with you. You can't control cheating spouses. Therefore, if we are our own primary source of security, we will be tempted to panic. We start panicking when we are our own source of security because we ourselves are weak we will fail 
We are feeble. Amen. So many times we put our own security on, on what we know how to do. Praise God. I have, I have the capability to be able to do it. Therefore, I'm going to do it. And when you do it and you fail, you, and most of the time pride sets in and you won't ask anybody for help. Let's go back to our text. When Jesus was waking in the middle of the stormy sea, he asked, why are you so afraid? I think that's how he did it, too. He probably got him and goes, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Oh, ye a little faith. People, many people believe this. Listen to when I say this. Many people read this scripture and they believe that Jesus was so disappointed in their life that he basically called him, you know, he's insulting them. You've been walking with me. Oh, ye of little faith. You just got little faith when you should have more faith. That's what we get from that scripture. These are apostles. These are guys that walk with Jesus. They, they walk with the Son of God, God and the embodiment of God himself. Well, you should have more faith. You've seen miracles. Oh, ye of little faith. And we go, man, no, no Jesus, that capped on him, you know, he's got him little faith. No, that's not the case. What I believe in is we look deeper into this text that Jesus himself looked at him and he made a, 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 a prophetic proclamation over their lives. He wasn't sitting down talking. That's not how Jesus does his children. Oh, maybe y'all need to listen a little, get, catch a little hint about parenting right here. Jesus doesn't look at him and insult him. He looks at him and prof prophesies over them. What you think was an insult was a prophecy. See, when we look at our kids and try to tell them how bad they're doing, you know, no, 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 we should give them words of encouragement. We need to speak life over our children, even when they fell and bumped their head, even when they're in the middle of being disobedient and, and, and full of all this. Oh, my God, thank you, Lord. The Bible says that, that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the staff or the rod of correction will drive it far from them. The rod of correction isn't... The rod, thy staff, and thy, 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 thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. His rod and his staff is his word and his spirit. So his word is a prophetic proclamation. When your kids is acting crazy, you need to prophesy over your children. You are more than a conqueror. You are walking out the plan and purpose of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a man or a woman of God. Hallelujah. Jesus was prophesying. How do I know? Because nine chapters later, Jesus looks at him. He looks at his the, the, uh, disciples, and he begins to speak to them concerning the, the prophetic word that he said. Now watch this. How many times have you received a prophetic word, and you don't get it, what it means till nine chapters later? Nine chapters later, in, in Matthew 17 and 30, Jesus explains to them what you can do with a little bit of faith. He says, listen, oh, ye a little faith. Oh, ye a little faith. In chapter 8, oh, ye a little faith. Nine chapters later in 17, he says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be moved and it shall 
and move. If you have a little faith, I told you nine chapters ago that you have faith. I'm going to tell you later on in my word that you have been given a measure of faith. You need to understand you have a weapon on you called faith. You just need to learn how to use this weapon I've given you. I'm here to tell you, do you realize just because you carry a gun doesn't mean you know how to use it? There's many people walking around with this false sense of security because they have a gun on them and they think it makes them, them strong. I, I've seen guys getting a little bit of incident, you know, like anytime something comes up against them, they want to start waving their gun around. They don't know how to use it, you know, because it makes them feel strong and, and brave. You know, Christians do the same thing sometimes when something spiritual comes up, but they never walk a spiritual life. They never learn how to, to live and submit to God. But anytime that they uh, get in some trouble, some spiritual trouble, they want to start quoting scriptures, throwing out their spiritual faith and try to wave it around, not realizing that, that at the same time, they're like, look, <laughs> Paul I know <laughs> and Jesus I know, but who are you? Read your Bible. It's in the book of Acts. Either somebody trying to act like they have faith but don't have faith. Just because you got a gun doesn't mean you know how to use it. You have to train. So like police officers and people in the Army, they train. They do situational training. They go through little things to learn how to do things when it really happens. They just don't go gun, trigger, aim, shoot. There you go. Have a good day. They go through tactical situations so that they know when the time arises, if it arises, that they know how to use the weapon that's been given them. I'm preaching and you don't even know it yet. So what happens is God says, I have given you a little bit of faith. And with this little bit of faith, I need to train you how to use your faith with little things. I'm, I'm putting the, the bear in front of you. I'm putting the lion in front of you. And then I'll put the giant in front of you. Then I'll put the mulberry tree in front of you. Then I'll put the mountain in front of you. You're going to have to learn how to use a faith. But if you try to jump from the measure of faith and jump in front of the, the mountain, it ain't going to move. Because you ain't been trained. You are the opportunity to train yourself. God isn't going to force you to train. You got to train yourself. My God, we sit down and we learn. And then once we learn with this faith, once you've learned to hear, once you learn to hear, then you get to this point that you say, if something happens, I'm ready. I'm ready. Praise God. In hindsight, it's 2020. And we've seen what's happened at the church this last past Sunday where there was a shooting. And unfortunately, unfortunately, hindsight's 2020. I'm saying this now. I'm not dogging anybody. But you see the difference between a person that was trained and a person that wasn't trained. Two men armed, one person trained. Because he wasn't trained enough, he lost his life. But the person who was trained saved hundreds of lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that your faith isn't just dependent upon you. Sometimes your faith is going to save hundreds of lives. Maybe you're in a ship that's sinking and it's full of people, but they're dependent upon your faith to raid, come to the outside, raise your hands, and quiet the storm. You guys don't understand. We always looking at faith for to get something that we want. The word of faith movement is based upon that. Say it, claim it, and get it. That's what it's all about. No, I want my faith to affect millions. I want my faith to affect the people around me. It ain't about me. It's about those that are around me. I want to be able to walk in faith the same way that my wife and I stepped out on faith when we gave up our jobs and we committed our lives to the call of God to be pastors. It wasn't for us because there's no glory in being pastors, but the glory comes in watching people 
people give their lives to Christ and start having real, relevant relationship with the body of believers. Jesus was telling the disciples, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, you can quiet storms, you can cast out demons, you can lay, on the sick, lay hands on the sick and they will recover, you will have enough faith not to worry about the what-ifs. I'm just here to tell you guys, all this faith, I'm telling you about faith to stop these what-ifs every time a wall comes. Well, what if I can't make it? What if, what if I can't get around it? I'm here to tell you right now, the, the, that kind of faith, God gives you a little bit of faith. That little bit of faith he gets you is, is not that right at the time. It's not for you to move the mountains yet. It's not for you to, to move the mulberry bush. It's not for you to fight the lion or the bear or the giant. That first little bit of faith is to get you to move you. God got to get you in position. Woo. God got to get you in position for things to come. You got to be, it's, it's like football. Come on, you guys. It's like football. You got to be in position to catch the prize. If you ain't in position, you're not going to get the ball thrown to you. You're running the wrong pattern. As I bring this to a close, listen, Jesus had to remind the disciples that after that night, the disciples never again feared a storm on the sea of Galilee if Jesus wasn't with them. So they went from Jesus was with them being afraid, and they, they learned to use that measure of faith as they walked. That faith grew, and as that faith grew, they were back out on the sea, and storms would hit, but Jesus wasn't physically with them, but they weren't afraid. They knew that Jesus was sufficient. Later, the disciples learned that Jesus would not always make the storms go away. Sometimes he gave the disciples grace and grit to sail through the storms. Come on, somebody. Somebody in here, I need the grace and the grit to get through this storm I'm in right now, Jesus. If you don't remove the storm, I know you're going to get me through it by grace, that the grace is upon me to get through this, but now I just don't want to barely get through it. I want to get through it with tenacity. I want to get through it with confidence. I don't know about you guys. Is there anybody in here that's tired of going through storms with their head down? Sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. There's storms that hit me. I want to go through like a, like a champion. I want to go through like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, go ahead. You can, oh, yeah, that one hurt. That hurt, but yeah, I'm still, oh, that hurt. And I begin to think of Jesus. When they beat him and he was getting hit, and, and, and he, the Bible says he didn't yell out, he didn't cry out, but I can hear him going, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's right. My people are healed. Come on, come on, hit it again. Oh, you're shedding of my blood, the remission of their sins. Mm, mm. Oh, ah, the crown of uh, thorns on my head. Uh, Lord, I thank you right now that you're crucifying my mind, that everybody whose mind has stayed upon me, they'll be in perfect peace. See, he, this is the way I want to go through my trials. As Jesus said, for the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus isn't always going to take away the storms. But we're going to have to learn that Jesus Christ is sufficient 
for our needs. It's not that we have faith in the vehicle. It's not that we have faith in our own knowledge and our own beliefs, that we need to have faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Now, there's one more what if I want you to consider before we pray. This what if measures how much faith you have. What if you don't get what you want? What if you don't get what you expected? What if you don't get healed? What if you don't live? What if your loved one doesn't live? What if? Will you still have the grit and grace like Job to say, Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Can you have enough faith that God is sufficient in spite of the outcome that I know my God, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look, I know my God is well able to deliver me from out of the fiery furnace. But listen here, I'm going to tell you something right now, Nebuchadnezzar. Even if he doesn't, I will not bow to your God. I will not give in to your God of fear because I know in the end it's going to work out for my good to God's glory because Jesus is sufficient for my needs. Jesus said he'll be with me always. That no matter what situation I'm going through, he'll be there with me. So the cure for your what if is just to put the words on it. Build up your confidence in Christ. When that what if faces you and that what if comes up, when you start worrying because what if, what if this, what if that, you got to do what Philippians 4, 6 and 8 says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall encompass your hearts, your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue in these things, any praise, think on these things. When those what-ifs come up against you, you need to understand that you're not, you don't just need to quote the word, you got to do the word. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. With, with that what-if, when the what-if comes up, you better use power, and that power is love. And when you use power and love together, it'll give you a sound mind. You won't worry about nothing. You'll be able to carry out the plan and purpose of God. 1 John, 1 John 4 and 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And finally this, because fear will always be there. Wherever you go, if you're doing something for the Lord, fear shows up. I don't care who you are. Do you know fear tried to tempt Jesus? How do I know? He said, Lord, if there be any other way. Matter of fact, before that, he told, he went and told his three closest friends, my soul is vexed unto death. 
That means I am anxious. What is anxious? Fearful. I am fearful unto death. Stay here and pray while I go yonder and pray. He goes and he says, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, thy will be done. He feared. But he understood that submission to God will get rid of that fear. He was courageous to face the cross. In Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. God said he's with you even till the end. Isn't that encouraging? You don't have to give in to the what ifs. You cannot be brave and courageous unless fear's in the way. So when that fear comes up to you, say, look, I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to step into my destiny. I'm going to step into my purpose so that others may be blessed because I know that there's people outside of this church that are depending upon me for their salvation. The only Jesus they see every day is me. The only person they see taking holy risks is me. The only person they see going through persecution and still praising God is me. So I got to stand. I can't give in to the what ifs. Let's walk with courage. Let's walk with boldness and walk knowing that the Lord Jesus is always with us. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time. Thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.